Chapter Four of Diana. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Bridget Gage. Diana by Susan Warner. Chapter Four. Mother Bartlett. The little house, unpainted like many others, had no fenced enclosures on this side. A wide field stretched away from the back door, lying partly upon a hillside, and several cattle were pasturing in it. Farm fields and meadows were all around, except where this one hill rose up behind the house. It was wooded at the top. Below, the ranks of a cornfield sloped aspiringly up its base. A narrow footpath, which only the tread of feet kept free from weeds and grass, went off obliquely to a little enclosed garden, which lay beyond the corner of the house in some arbitrary and independent way, not adjoining it at all. It was a sweet bit of country, soft and mellow under the summer sun, still as grasshoppers and the tinkle of a cowbell could make it. And very far from most of the improvements of the nineteenth century. But the smell of the pasture, and the fragrance that came from the fresh shades of the wood, and the freedom of the broad fields of pure ether, made it rich with some of nature's homely wealth, which is not by any means the worst there is. Diana knew the place very well. Her eyes were looking now for the mistress of it. And not long. In the out of the way lying garden, she discerned her white cap. And at the gate met her bringing a head of lettuce in her hands. I knew you liked it, dear, she said, and I had forgot all about it. And then it flashed on me, and I thought, Diana will like to have it for her dinner, and I guess it'll have time to cool. Just put it in a tin pail, dear, and hang it down in the well, and it'll be fresh. This was done, and Diana came in and took a seat by her old friend. You needn't do that for me, Mother Bartlett. I don't care what I have to eat. Most folks like what is good, said the old lady, supposin' they know it. Yes, and so do I, but. I made a pot pie for ye, the old lady went on contentedly. And I suppose you have left nothing at all for me to do, as usual. It is too bad, Mother Bartlett. You shall do all the rest, said her friend, and now you may talk to me. She was a trim little old woman, not near so tall as her visitor, very wrinkled, but fresh skinned, and with a quick gray eye. Her dress was a common working dress of some dark stuff, coarse but tidy and neat looking, her cap white and plain. She sat in her armchair, setting her little feet to the fire, and her fingers merrily clicking her needles together. A very comfortable vision. The kitchen and its furniture were neat as a pin. I don't see how you manage, Mother Bartlett, Diana went on, glancing around. You ought to have someone to live with you and help you. It looks as if you had half a dozen. Not much, said the old lady, laughing. A half dozen would soon make a muss of one sort or another. There's nothing like having nobody. But you might be sick. I might be, but I ain't, said Mrs. Bartlett, running one end of a knitting needle under her cap and looking placidly at Diana. But you might want somebody. When I do, I send for em. I sent for you today, child, and here you are. But you are quite well today, said Diana, a little anxiously. I am always well, never better. How old are you, Mother Bartlett? Seventy-three years, child. Well, I do think you oughtn't to be here alone. It don't seem right, and I don't think it is right. What's to do, child? There ain't nary one to come and live with me. They're all gone but Joe. My Lord knows I'm an old woman, seventy-three years of age. What then, Mother Bartlett? Diana asked curiously. He'll take care of me, my dear. But then we ought to take care of ourselves, said Diana. Now, if Joe would marry somebody. Joe ain't lucky in that line, said the old lady, laughing again. 
and may be what he might like, I mightn't. Before you go to wishin' for changes, you'd better know what they'll be. I'm content, child. There ain't a thing on earth that I want that I haven't got. Now what's the news? Diana began, and told her the whole story of the sewing meeting, and the accident, and the nursing of the injured girl. Mrs. Bartlett had an intense interest in every particular, and what Diana failed to remember, her questions brought out. And how do you like the new minister? Haven't you seen him yet? Nay, he hain't been down my way yet. In good time he will. He's had sick folks to see Arter, Joe told me. Old Jemmy Claffin, and Joe Simmons' boy, and Miss Atwood, and Eliza. I think you'll like him, said Diana slowly. He's not like any minister ever I saw. What's the odds? It isn't so easy to tell. He don't look like a minister, for one thing. Nor he don't talk like one. Not a bit. Have we got a gay parson, then? said the old lady, slightly raising her eyebrows. Gay? Oh, no, not in the way you mean. In one way he is gay. He is very pleasant, not stiff or grum, like Mr. Hardenberg. And he is amusing, too, in a quiet way. But he is amusing. He is so cool and so quick. Oh, no, he's not gay in the way you mean. I guess he's good. Do you like him? Mrs. Bartlett asked. Yes, said Diana, thinking of the night of Eliza Delameter's accident. He is very queer. I don't seem to make him out by your telling, child. I'll have to wait, I guess. I've got no sort of an idea of him so far. Now, dear, if you'll set the table, dinner's ready, and then we'll have some reading. Diana drew out a small deal table to the middle of the floor, and set on it the delft plates and cups and saucers, the little salt cellar of the same ware, and the knives and forks that were never near Sheffield, in fact were never steel, but the lettuce came out of the well crisp and fresh and cool, and Mrs. Bartlett's pot-pie crust came out of the pot as spongy and light as possible, and the loaf of seconds bread was sweet as it is hard for bread to be that is not made near the mill, and if you and I had been there, I promise you we would have not minded the knives and forks, or the cups either. Mrs. Bartlett's tea was not of corresponding quality, for it came from a country store. However, the cream went far to mend even that. The back door was open for the heat, and the hillside could be seen through the doorway, and part of the soft green meadow slope, and the grasshopper's song, and the bell tinkle were not bad music. "'And who was that came with you, dear?' Mrs. Bartlett asked as they sat at table. "'With me? Did you see me come?' "'Surely. I was in the garden. What should hinder me?' "'Who was it drove you, dear?' "'It was an accident. Young Mr. Knowlton had got into some trouble with his horse, riding out our way, and came to ask how he could get home. So I brought him.' "'That's Evan Knowlton. Him they are making a soldier of?' "'He's made. He's done with his education. He is at home now.' "'Ain't going to be a soldier after all?' "'Oh, yes, he is a soldier. But he has got a leave to be home for a while.' "'Well, what sort is he?' I don't see what they wanted to make a soldier of him for. His grandther would have been the better of his help on the farm, seems to me, and now he'll be off to the ends of the earth, and doin' nobody knows what. It's the wisdom of this world. But how has he turned out, Di? I don't know. Well, I should think. And his sisters at home would have been the better of him. By and by, Mr. Bowdoin will die, and then who'll look after the farm, or the girls?' Still, mother, it's something more and something better to be educated, as he is, and to know the world and all sorts of things, as he does, than just to live on the farm here in the mountains, and raise corn and eat it, and nothing else. 
isn't it? Why should it be better, child? It is nice to be educated, said Diana softly, and she thought much more than she said. A man can get as much education as he can hold, and live on a farm, too. I've seen sich. Some folks can't do no better than hoe corn like my Joe. But there ain't no necessity for that. But arter all, what does folks live for, Diana? I never could make out, Mother Bartlett. The old lady looked at her thoughtfully and wistfully, but said no more. Diana cleared the table and washed the few dishes, and when all was straight again, took out a newspaper she had brought from home, and she and the old lady settled themselves for an afternoon of enjoyment. For it was that to both parties. At home Diana cared little about the paper. Here it was quite another thing. Mrs. Bartlett wanted to hear all there was in it. Public doings, foreign doings, city news, editor's gossip, and even the advertisements came in for their share of pleasure-giving. New inventions had an interest. Tokens of the world's movements, or the world's wants, in other notices, were found suggestive of thought, or provocative of wonder. Sitting with her feet put towards the fire, her knitting in her hands, the quick gray eyes studied Diana's face as she read, never needing to give their supervision to the fingers, and the coarse blue yarn stocking, which was doubtless destined for Joe, grew visibly in length while the eyes and thoughts of the knitter were busy elsewhere. The newspaper filled a good part of the afternoon, for the reading was often interrupted for talk which grew out of it. When at last it was done, and Mrs. Bartlett's eyes returned to the fire, there were a few minutes of stillness. Then she said gently, "'Now, our other reading, dear?' "'You like this the best, Mother Bartlett, don't you?' said Diana, as she rose and brought from the inner room a large volume, the book, as any one might know at a glance, carefully covered with a sewn cover of coarse cloth. Where shall I read now? The place indicated was the beginning of the revelation, a favorite book with the old lady, and as she listened the knitting grew slower, though, true to the instinctive habit of doing something, the fingers never ceased absolutely their work. But they moved slowly, and the old lady's eyes, no longer on the fire, went out of the open window, and gazed with a far-away gaze that went surely beyond the visible heaven, so rapt and steady it was. Diana, sitting on a low stool at her feet, glanced up sometimes, but seeing that gaze, looked down and went on again with her reading, and would not break the spell. At last, having read several chapters without a word of interruption, she stopped. The old lady's eyes came back to her knitting, which began to go a little faster. "'Do you like all this so much?' Diana asked. "'I know you do, but I can't see why you do. You can't understand it.' "'I guess I do,' said the old lady. "'I seem to, anyhow. It's queer if I don't.' "'But you can't make anything of all those horses.' "'Why, it's just what you've been reading about in the afternoon.' "'In the newspaper?' cried Diana. "'It's many a year that I've been looking at it,' said the old lady. "'Ever since I heard it all explained by a good minister. "'I've been looking at it ever since.' "'She spoke dreamily. "'It's all words and words to me,' said Diana. "'There's a blessin' belongs to studying them words, though. "'Those horses are the works and judgments of the Lord "'that are goin' on in all the earth, "'to prepare the way of His comin'. "'Who's comin'? "'The Lord's comin,' said the old lady solemnly. The white horse, that's victory, that's going on conquering and to conquer. That's the truth and power of the Lord bringing his kingdom. The red horse, that's war. Ah, how that red horse has tramped round the world. He's left the marks of his hoofs on our own ground not long sin, 
"'and now you've been readin' to me about his goin's on elsewhere. "'The black horse, that's famine, and not downright starvation, the minister said, "'but just want, grindin' and pressin' people down. "'Ain't there enough of that in the world? "'Not just so bad in Pleasant Valley, but all over. "'And the pale horse, what is it the book calls him? "'That's death, and he comes to Pleasant Valley as he comes everywhere. "'They've been goin', those four, ever since the world was a world of fallen men.' "'But what do they do to prepare the way for the Lord's coming?' said Diana. "'What do I know? That'll be known when the book shall come to be read, I suppose. I'm waitin'. I'll know by and by.' "'Only I can seem to see so much as this,' the old lady went on after a pause. "'The Lord won't have folk to settle down according to their will into a contented forgetfulness of Him. So He won't let there be peace till the King of Peace comes. Oh, I'd be glad if He'd come.' "'But that will be the end of the world,' said Diana. "'Well,' said Mrs. Bartlett, "'it might be the end of the world, for all I care, "'if it would bring him. "'What do I live for?' "'You know I don't understand you, Mother Bartlett,' said Diana gently. "'Well, what do you live for, child?' "'I don't know,' said Diana slowly. "'Nothing. "'I help Mother make butter and cheese, "'and I make my clothes and do the housework. "'And next year it'll be the same thing, "'and the next year after that.' "'It don't amount to anything.' "'And do you think the Lord made you, you pretty creature?' said the old lady, softly passing her hand down the side of Diana's face, for nothing better than to make cheese and butter. Diana smiled and blushed brightly at her old friend, a lovely child's smile. "'I may come to be married, you know, one of these days. But after all, that don't make any difference. It's the same thing, married or not married. People all do the same things, day after day, till they die.' "'If that was all,' said the old lady meditatively, looking into the fire and knitting slowly. "'It is all, except that here and there there is somebody who knows more and can do something better. I suppose life is something more to them. But they are mostly men.' "'Edication's a fine thing,' Mrs. Bartlett went on in the same manner. "'But there's two sorts. There's two sorts, Diana. I hain't got much, a one kind. I never had no chance to get it, so I've done without it. "'and now my life's so near done, it don't seem much matter. "'But there's the other sort, that ain't learned at no academy. "'The Lord put me into His school forty-four years ago, "'where He puts all His children, "'and if they learn their lessons, He takes them up and up. "'Some of the lessons is hard to learn, "'but He takes them up and up, till life ain't a puzzle no longer, "'and they begin to know the language of heaven, where His courts be. "'And that's education that's worth having, "'when one's just goin' there, as I be.' "'How do you get into that school, Mother Bartlett?' Diana asked thoughtfully, and yet with her mind not all upon what she was saying. "'You are in it, my dear. The good Lord sends his lessons and his teachers to everyone. But it's no use to most folks. They won't take no notice.' "'What teachers?' said Diana, smiling. "'There's a host of them,' said Mrs. Bartlett, "'and of all sorts. Why, I seem to be in the midst of them, Diana. The sun is a teacher to me every day.' and the clouds, and the air, and the colors. The hill and the pasture ahint the house. I've learned a heap o' lessons from em, and I'm learnin' em all the time, till I seem to be rich with what they're tellin' me. So rich some days I most wonder at myself. No doubt, to hear all them voices, one must hear the voice of the word. And then there's many other voices, but they don't come just so to all. I could tell you some o' mine, but the ones that'll come to you'll be sure to be different." "'So you couldn't learn from them, child. "'And folks thinks I'm a lonesome old woman. 
"'Well, how can they help it?' said Diana. "'It's natural,' said Mrs. Bartlett. "'I can't help your seeming so to me.' "'That ain't natural, for you had ought to know better. "'They think folks does. "'I know. "'I'm a poor lone old woman, just goin' to die.' "'But isn't that nearly true?' said Diana gently. "'There was a slight, glad smile on the withered lips "'as Mrs. Bartlett turned towards her. "'You have the book there on your lap, dear. "'Just find the eleventh chapter of the Gospel of John, "'and read the twenty-fifth and twenty-sixth verses. "'And when you feel inclined to think that o' me again, "'just wait till you know what they mean.' "'Diana found and read. "'Jesus said unto her, "'I am the resurrection and the life. "'He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. "'And whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die.'" End of chapter 4